This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I am your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher here at MLB.com. Joined as always by MLB.com national editor, Matt Myers. We are through the wild card round of the playoffs. We had 16 teams. We now had eight teams. We are recording this on Sunday evening. Tomorrow, Monday, the American League will kick off with two ALDS series. The next day, Tuesday, we will see the National League follow. Remember, no days off. So if these series go the full five, we will have five straight days, no days off, no rest, no travel. As we'll get to in a second, nobody's playing in their home parks. It's going to be weird. There's going to be baseball in Dodger Stadium. It will not be the Dodgers who will be playing in Texas. Everything is weird. But I don't know about you, Matt, but I, I had a lot of fun watching these wildcard games. As I think I said before, I haven't been the biggest fan of the format, but watching all of that baseball happening kind of at the same time and really fun and interesting baseball, it was sort of a blast. You know, I still think the format needs tweaks. I think the higher seeds need more of an advantage, but especially that second day, that Wednesday, where we had, you know, Cubs, excuse me, Reds and Braves in the 12th inning, 13th inning, and every other game starting, that was really fun. Like that Wednesday day was sort of a blast for me. No question. Um, I think that, and I think that that's what, what ends up happening with a lot of these, when these, Sometimes the people who are even reluctant to, to some of these changes that come out, whether it be the runner at second base in, that we did this year, or maybe even DH in both leagues, it's you can see the appeal sometimes. And in this case, even if you were like, don't think that the higher seats had enough of, an, of an, enough of an incentive, and I think that's partially due to just the sixty game season and kind of having to, to mix things up on the fly a little bit. There's no question it was enjoyable as a baseball fan. It was just it was. The most fun, I think, uh, baseball Twitter has been in, I, I would say, probably all season, probably since the 2019 World Series. So it, it was good to kind of have that that vibe and that excitement. And we also saw a lot of stars, especially young stars, making having fantastic performances. It was it was a, a really great week. Well, the, the most fun baseball Twitter has been in a year, I think, is a pretty low bar to clear. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Let's the, keep it the, positive. Come on. Let's, um, I, I, the series that stood out to me, I think, the most was Braves-Reds, just because that pitching was fantastic. You know, Bauer was great, and Freed was great. And then we saw, you know, the next day, uh, who started? Ian Anderson was great. You know, those those weren't the most, like, high-scoring, offense-fueled matchups and I was a little frustrated by people saying it's a reflection of how hitters don't care or they're bad or whatever. I mean, Bauer's probably going to win the Cy Young. You know, Freed will be top five. Ian Anderson is a highly touted young prospect. I was, I was somewhat disappointed by the lack of respect for how incredible the pitching was in that series, and even the guys people don't know, like Tyler Matzik, who hasn't pitched in the bigs in five years, came out and was shoving at the end. That's the one that stood out to me. The other one. Uh, that I had such a fun time with is the the Padres cards game three, which we were doing on ESPN plus just because 
they did not have a starting pitcher and they started Craig Stammen, who literally the last time he started 10 years ago was throwing to Pudge Rodriguez and they had a script and Jace Tingler did a fantastic job of sticking to it. You could see exactly what was going to happen. And that to me stood in stark contrast to the day before when the White Sox tried the same thing and it ended really poorly. They left, you know, Dane Dunning was the only guy who was going to go deep and he threw like 13, 14 pitches. And I don't know why they didn't just open with Garrett Crochet. Like I, I had a lot of fun with those two kind of bizarre games, not to shortchange the, how well the Dodgers played or the, the Cubs losing or the, the Twins, unfortunately, losing, which is a big disappointment again. But those are the games that stood out to me. The game threes, the throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, because some of it worked and some of it pretty clearly uh, did not. Which which other ones stood out to you? Well, I want to touch on a couple of the, the series that you mentioned. Um, Reds, Braves. I just felt for Reds fans in that series. You know, you wait seven years. I think it was seven years to get back to the playoffs. Uh, you have a couple of really good pitchers lined up. You're feeling pretty good. People are calling you a sleeper, saying, you know, this is one of the teams, that could, in the, one of the lower seeds that could make a deep run. And then you go and you play two games. You don't score. <laughs> and oh, you get I forgot. <laughs> Zero runs. Oh. <laughs> and you get bounced in two games. I actually put a poll on Twitter asking people, would you rather your team not make the playoffs or make the playoffs but get shut out twice in frustrating fashion while being eliminated? Sixty um, percent of people said they would rather be shut out twice um, than not make the playoffs at all. Which I understand, as one person said, it is better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. Is that true for Twins fans? I'm not actually <laughs> sure it is. Um, the Reds. The thing about the Reds is they had opportunity. That first game that went 13 innings, they had a lot of men left on base, and they just it was. I felt it was like I, I like like viscerally felt for Reds fans in that game. Um, as far as the Twins, an equally frustrating loss. I mean that that Jorge Polanco error in Game One that allowed the um, Astros to score the go ahead run. That's one of those that could like flip the complexion of the entire season. It reminded me in the 2015 playoffs when the the Royals had that big comeback against the Astros in Game Four of the ALDS where Carlos Correa made an error and the Royals had that big comeback and they ended up winning game five and then winning the world series. It was like when it happened, it was like, Oh, this could really change the complexion of the playoffs. And that's how that Polanco error felt where it was like, okay, the twins might be this, this, yeah, they might be done. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, but they also didn't hit like at all. Like the, the, sure. play, the play from that series that stood out to me even more from that was like the first inning of the first game where Granky didn't look very good. And Eddie Rosario came up with, I can't remember if it was bases loaded or two men on, but whatever it was, and he just smokes a line drive right at the first base. And that was pretty much the end of their offense. That could have been two runs right there. And that was it. Uh, fair point. All right. Well, let's, we've talked enough about the wild card round. Why don't we move on to talking about the division series that we're, we've got four exciting matchups that are coming up. And I think we should just go through them all and talk about what's coming and uh, what we're excited about. I feel like I need to briefly explain the the bubble here. My brother lives in San Diego and he texted me yesterday and he said, everybody's buzzing about the Padres. They're so excited. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, the Yankees and Rays are playing in Petco, right? <laughs> he looked, he's like, what on earth are you talking about? Um, the wildcard series was at home field. We have now entered a modified bubble situation. And in order to make sure there are no like true home field advantages, the National League is off to Texas, off to Arlington and Houston, the American League off to Southern California, Padre, uh, Petco Park, and Dodger Stadium. And the World Series will be in Arlington's Globe Life Field. So first we have, on Monday, two American League games. Yankees versus Rays in San Diego. Astros and A's in Dodger Stadium. 
it's kind of fun to think about the fact that the division series here is a true division series. All four matchups are division rivals, which is kind of funny. I don't know about you, but I feel like the Astros and A's and the Yankees and Rays have some thoughts towards one another. <laughs> Just, I mean, that's it's it's pretty it's 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 there's some like real bad blood, uh, especially in the ALDS. Even the NLDS, there's some bad blood, but the ALDS, there's some real bad blood, which I think is is uh it's pretty cool um and the yankees the yankees rays might be like right now kind of we'll get to the astros a's bad blood when we break down that series but the yankees rays i think in some ways might be the the best rivalry in baseball right now in terms of like two really good teams that like legitimately don't like each other and that's like you you know you, you obviously there's there's classic rivalries but this is like one where it feels like this like really this mix of players they really just there's like there's a legit rivalry between these teams and they're both really good teams and that's just awesome i agree with you i mean for sure yeah you, you like to think about yankees and red sox but the condition that the red sox are in is barely a rivalry i think i think one thing we're going to hear a lot about when it comes to this series is that the rays I don't have it in front of me. What they go like seven and three, eight and two, something like that against the the Yankees this year. That's going to get played up a lot, and it just doesn't matter. Like there, there is so much research having been done that a head-to-head matchup in the regular season does not carry over to the postseason, and especially this year when the Rays won a lot of those games, it was when the Yankees were like at their most injured. You know, it was like they were pounding on them when the Yankees didn't have LeMahieu or Judge or Stanton, you know, a couple other guys. So I, I wouldn't worry about that whatsoever. I do think you're right that this is going to be the most interesting series. And it's kind of, I don't know, like watching the Yankees play Cleveland, especially when they pounded on Shane Bieber, this sort of felt like the first time all year you saw the, the you know, the fully functional Death Star, as they like to put it. Like, you know, they, they had everybody in the lineup and not just the big guys, like at the bottom of the lineup, uh, Brett Gardner looks pretty good. Claybert Torres, it actually had a disappointing year. We all looked really good. You know, Voight obviously is has become a star. Lemayhu looks great, and I feel like if they have that lineup against what's some really really good Tampa Bay starting pitching and a whole bunch of relievers that most people don't know, but also Nick Anderson, who everybody should know, that is like strength on strength, at least for for the start. You know, like that's that is what I want a postseason to be. Now, it's going to be weird that it's in San Diego and not in Yankee Stadium and not in Tampa Bay. We're actually, I'm looking into something right now to show how many home runs each team hit in their home park that would not have been out of Petco or wherever they're going to end up playing here based on the dimensions. The Yankee Stadium one is actually pretty funny because if you were to look at DJ LeMahieu, who had hilarious home road splits this year, almost double OPS at home, he hit four home runs at home that would not have been out of Petco Park. And you you can't see them because this is a podcast, but trust me, you can see them. They're all to like the second row of right field. That doesn't make him a bad player. He's still a star. He's still going to hit line drives. But I think that's going to be an interesting aspect to look out for. There's no short porch. And on the other side, the trap is a hard place to hit it. You know, Petco's better than its reputation. So I don't know. I think the the Yankees pitchers will be happy to be there, but I'm not so sure about the hitters. Uh, For sure. And I think that like, it's to your point about strength on strength and the the one you mentioned the, the Rays starting pitching, which is, you know, maybe the best of like the teams that are left, maybe the best uh, trio of starters at the front of the rotation. The Yankees starting is kind of the opposite. That's probably their biggest weakness right now, I think, is their starting pitching. And I think that's it really benefits the Yankees that this is a five game series as opposed to a, a seven game series that they have to face the Rays. Like if the Yankees were going to have to face the Rays in the DS 
or the CS, the LCS, I think they, they're much better off in a five-game series because they basically can not guarantee, but they're well set up to have Garrett Cole pitch start in 40% of the games. And that's like sort of their one difference-making starting pitcher. Whereas like the Rays have a bunch of good pitchers and a bunch of good relievers. To me, the Rays in any seven-game series are going to be in any seven-game series if they make it to the ALCS would be favored against anyone because of the no days off because they they have so much pitching depth that no one else has. They're so well positioned in a seven-game series, and even in a five-game series, they probably have an edge against the Yankees simply because of that pitching depth. But it's mitigated by the fact that the Yankees have Garrett Cole, and so. That's where I think that the Yankees, I don't know if they say like luck out from the schedule, but I actually think that kind of evens things. If it was a seven game series, I'd be like, oh, the Rays are really, really the favorites. But I think in a five game series, it's it's a lot closer. Is is this the most important game one of any of these four division series? I guess I'm also thinking about the Braves, uh, if they can start Max Freed. But if the Yankees don't win with Garrett Cole, and then the Rays can still start Morton and Glasnow, that feels like an enormous hole to me. Yes, especially, and especially since like the Yankees, you know, they're... Even their their bullpen, they don't. I mean, coming into the year, everyone's like, "Oh, this like amazing bullpen," but like they don't really trust Adovino right now. They wouldn't. They didn't put him in a big spot in in the Indian series. And Chad Green has been up and down this year. Right now, it's kind of like Zach Britton and Chapman, where it's like the Braves, Rays, as you alluded to before, have all these guys. I mean, like obviously Nick Anderson's one you mentioned. Diego Castillo's just like totally nasty. Peter Fairbanks also can throw at hundred miles an hour. So it's. It's um, the pitching edge is, is, as I said, it's big for the Rays, but the Yankees can sort of cut into that a little bit because of Cole and because that lineup is, is it looks as good as it does. I just realized we're going to need to make predictions and I don't want to because this one is going to be so tight. Um, I guess we're both going to be cowards and say five because how could you not? I guess I'm going to say the Yankees because that lineup looked really good, but they lose game one. I'm going to try to, uh, go see if I can scrub this episode from the internet. So I'm going to say Yankees in five here. Uh, I'm going to go with Rays in five for the reasons I mentioned. I think the no days off really benefits them. And um, the Yankees are going to have a hard time if the series, the longer the series goes, they're going to have a hard, hard, harder time stringing together outs in innings like five through eight. And I think that'll come back to bite them. I also realized we made predictions on the site and uh, I can't remember now what I did. And I may have just chosen against that prediction uh, but that's okay i can barely remember what i did this morning much less in a poll a couple of days ago okay so that's fun that we're choosing differently here the second one is astros and a's and the idea of the astros being in dodger stadium is objectively hilarious by itself unfortunately they won't be playing the dodgers and there won't be fans i'm already looking forward to people on tv making bad jokes about whether the cardboard cutouts are signaling signs you know it's coming. This one's kind of fun because neither team, I don't think, is at full strength. Clearly, the Astros are missing Verlander, who's injured. They don't have Cole. The bullpen has been you know, injured for most of the year. And the A's, as we talked about last week, will not have Matt Chapman. I was pretty impressed in the first round by Dusty Baker, I have to say. He's got this reputation as being you know, a, a dinosaur, especially when it comes to pitching. And what did he do in those two games? He piggybacked, right? Like he didn't push Granky despite his his name and star power. He yanked him and he went with Fran Valdez, who was very good. In game two, he kind of did the same thing, you know, a couple innings out of his starter. And then uh, I can't even remember who came in after that. Or Christian Javier, who was very good. And that's like, that was effective. That That is not, I don't think, what you would expect from a Dusty Baker team. And the offense was fine. They, they weren't great. I don't think they're going to be great. But that was um, that was kind of cool to see. This is 
we already knew this, but this is an extremely different Astros team, not just because of the players, not just because of the injuries, but because of the manager, you know, Dusty Baker channeling his inner AJ Hinch, I guess. <laughs> I, I had the same thought in game one of the series against the, the Twins when they had he pulls Granky after four and put in Framber Valdez, who finished the game. And I was like, what would 2004 Dusty Baker think about this move? Um, but you're right. It's, you know, whether that's he's getting, you know, recommendations from James Click staff on how to handle that. I mean, he's still the one who's implementing it and making the call. And a lot of credit for him for evolving and managing in a way that, you know, helped help the uh, Astros through. I I mean, I thought that was a great hire when the season began and um, it looked good after the, uh, after the wildcard series. And the, the, to your point about the Astros offense is at least like, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of, I've seen a lot of like, you know, jokes, if you will, on Twitter about, Oh, look at, look at the Astros offense this year. Look at how everyone's numbers dropped. Of course it's because they were illegally stealing signs and now they they have to play by the rules and they all stink. And like, I don't really I, I mean, I think Altuve's like falling off a cliff is like just sort of like that's I don't I haven't dug into it, but I like I don't really know what what happened there. But Bregman was basically hit like a 125 OPS plus this year, and just remember it's a 60 game season, and like Alex Bregman having a 125 OPS plus over 60 games is like well within like the norm of any sort of 60 game stretch. Springer was himself. Correa was bad, although he looked really good in the uh, in the series against the Twins. So if he's like you know some version of himself like it's not a terrible lineup obviously they still they missed your don alvarez but i go back on this series though to this kind of the same thing i said about the rays i think it kind of applies here it's just the, the pitching depth at least in the bullpen that the a's have i think in a series with no days off is going to be a big advantage for the a's however their lineup right now just does not inspire a ton of confidence so i think this is going to be a really a really interesting series the other thing that impressed me about the A's was clearly Liam Hendricks, you know, who in the in the I guess the second game of the White Sox series came out and threw forty something pitches, and I didn't think really he had much chance at all of coming in the next day. And you know, a little wild, wasn't hitting his spots necessarily, but he was still hitting a hundred. You know, like like that guy. Uh, I know this is not an analytical term I'm about to use. Is a capital D dude. You know, like. If he's not the best reliever in baseball, he is extremely close to it. And that is a, a pretty nice weapon to have because as much as I like Ryan Presley, the Astros don't have anything like that in their bullpen. You know, and we, we talked about the A's bullpen a lot this year. Behind Hendricks, there's, you know, Deakman, who's been pretty good, and, you know, other guys that don't necessarily have the name value, but they've been pretty good and they kind of had to be because the A's rotation has been weak. And I, I think they're starting Sean Manaya in game one and they avoided him against the White Sox because the White Sox crush lefty pitching. So fine. But also I've just never been much of a Mania fan. Like the velocity's not there. He's kind of have to, has to be perfect to win. I, I don't like that matchup very much for, for the A's unless you feel differently. Uh, no, I, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the weak spot. Right. And I think that's where the, you want to see the, the Astros are going to have to, I feel like they have to score early is to make, to make a difference. Cause I think once we get into a battle of the bullpens, the A's have the big advantage. And so that'll kind of be what I'll be watching when I'm watching that series is can the A's get through, get, get to the A's starters um, the first or second time through the lineup. Because once it gets to the battle of the bullpens in this series, big advantage to the A's. To your point about um, Liam Hendricks, I want to say we've talked about him and I made the case a few podcasts ago, episodes ago, that he, he's got a strong case as the best reliever in baseball because basically there's hardly anyone who's been dominant for two plus years at this point. And he's basically been 
in the conversation for two plus years, which no one else can say. And it looked like, you know, like for example, even Hader had some Josh Hader on the Brewers had some rough spots this year. And then we were like, Oh, Devin Williams shows the fickle nature of relievers. He gets hurt right before the wildcard series. I mean, hopefully he comes back next year and is as good as he was this year. But like the fact that Hendricks has been able to maintain his dominance now for like two years plus running, I, and I think it's a pretty, there's a pretty, pretty compelling case. He is the, the best reliever in baseball right now. Prediction. Oh boy. A's in five. A's in five. A's in five. Um, A's in five. And one more point on this. Uh, one, one more point in this series is you said, yes, they're playing in Dodger Stadium. They also are playing the team with Mike Fires, the guy who essentially ratted out the entire <laughs> size building operation. So even though they're not playing the Dodgers, they are, there still is a, a, a tie back to the, um, to the scandal. Mike Fires, by the way, uh, had the fifth largest velocity drop in baseball from last year to this year. And the four guys ahead of him all were injured at some point. It was like Paxton, Bumgarner, Tyler Chatwood. I can't remember who the other guy was. Not what you want. You know, it's he's never been a flamethrower, obviously, but um, that's a worrisome sign there. All right, but we're still both going A's. I don't feel like either one of us are terribly confident in that. Let's go. I was going to say the weirdest series, but I'm not actually sure this is true. I was going to say Padres Dodgers is the weirdest just because they're going to be Globe Life Field, the new Texas ballpark. We've only seen 30 games there this year, and I can't tell yet if it's a pitcher's park because it is or just because we're comparing it to the previous goal of life, which was very clearly a hitter's park. You know, like I remember in May, Joey Gallo was out there taking BP, and he's like, oh, my God, this place is huge. And that guy can hit the ball at a Jellystone Park, and he's saying this this ballpark is pretty big. And, you know, it sort of played that way this year, but it's just so hard to tell. You can't really do park factors in 30 games, and even if you could, the Texas offense was terrible. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. You know, that's going to be really fascinating. As far as the teams go, find me a better matchup than Padres-Dodgers. You can take Yankees race. Padres-Dodgers, that is going to be spectacular. The Dodgers are the clear best team in baseball. The Padres have Fernando Tatis and like 15 other interesting dudes. I, I cannot wait to watch this one. This one is going to be, I think, super fantastic. We have... A lot of questions, obviously, about the Padres' rotation. They couldn't get through a three-game series with three pitchers, right? Because Clevenger was injured, Lamette was injured, and so they started Paddock, who wasn't very good, and they started Zach Davies, who didn't get that far, and then you know they started Craig Stammen, and then eight of his closest friends coming in behind him. I, that's okay for a three-game series. When you have five with no days off, and we're still uncertain about Lamette and Clevenger, I don't know at this exact moment if either one of them will be available if not i mean all respect to jace tangler and team for what they did to get past the cardinals how how do you do this over over five straight games against this dodgers lineup literally how i don't think you can and that's kind of why i'm a little like i'm excited because i want to see you know tatis and machado and and myers and cronenworth and that that offense against the dodgers and see what they can do but I think without Lamette and Clevenger, I just don't see how they can do it. As you said, with five five straight days, um, they're just they're just going to run out of steam. Even if you get, I mean, you would basically need Paddock and Zach Davies to both be like their absolute A game twice. Essentially, uh, I'm not even sure they, there's enough there's not enough time for them both to get two starts. So with without any off days, so I just don't really see it. And Chris Paddock has really been kind of a disappointment this year. Like last year, he was in 2019, he was like this. It, Exciting young rookie with his great pitch mix, 
Um, really great off-speed stuff. He had a lot of swagger. He had that little like rivalry with Pete Alonso going where he was like talking a lot of trash, trying to say how he should be rookie of the month and then rookie of the year. And it looked like he was a real ascendant um, starting pitcher. And then you go and you look at his baseball savant page and you look at like where he stood in terms of like rank, in terms of hard hit rate and expected batting average and expected weight on base. And usually with pitchers, you want to see – with any player on these, you want to see red, which means you're among the league leaders. And Chris Paddock, it's all – blue he's in the 10th percentile and just like everything it's just expected era 25th percentile expected batting average 17th percentile expected weighted on base 25th percentile so it's like even paddock who's like their ace right now really was pretty underwhelming this year so i just don't really see how they're going to be able to string together you know 27 outs in five in in five games i guess you know if maybe if they can figure out a way to score a ton of runs they can they won't have to worry about that and they can just win in three games but Without Lamette and Clevenger, and they the the Padres are saying, "Oh, it's going to be it's day to day. We're going to make the decision Tuesday morning." But it doesn't feel like even if they're on the roster, we'd be able to expect them to give them a lot of innings. Paddock made so much in the offseason, or so much was written about him about trying to expand his pitch mix because in 2019 he was about 90 percent four seamer and, and changeup, and so he was working on improving his curve and he was working on adding a cutter. And in 2020. He was about 90% four-seamer and change-up. And I almost wonder if the work on those pitches impacted his his biggest pitches. Because if you look at his four-seamer, he lost about two inches of vertical rise. And that's that's a big deal. It got a lot more horizontal. And that is not what that pitch needs to do. And his change-up moved a little bit differently. So I, I almost wonder if something happened with his grip where working on the cutter, the curveball kind of also you know bit him on the, the main pitches. The talent is still there, obviously. But that's like that's a thing you work on for the offseason for next year. That's not a guy you want starting game one uh, if he is against against the Dodgers. That's what concerns me there. Now, obviously, the lineup is incredible. And it's not just Tatis. And it's not just Manny Machado. Will Myers, literally Will Myers, is back now. He has had the largest strikeout drop from last year to this year in baseball. He is crushing the ball. Eric Hosmer is crushing the ball. Jake Cronenworth hit a big home run in the postseason. Um, I think I've talked about my undying love for Trent Grisham on this show before. That really, the only guy in that lineup who who isn't hitting is Tommy Fan, who is still a pretty good hitter. And as you saw in Game Three, they've got a manager who knows how to manage a bullpen, and they've got a lot of interchangeable pieces. And I mean, I know we're talking mostly about the Padres, and almost I don't want to say I'm I'm bored by the Dodgers, but they're just like unendingly great. They just show up, even Clayton Kershaw. Had that fantastic start. Dodgers in four. I, I mean, I love the Padres, but I, I just don't see it. Exactly. That's that's sort of how I feel. The one thing I'm excited about for the Padres and for the national audience is that this might be Luis Perdomo's moment. He was on the taxi squad um, for the wild card round. With all their pitching uh, woes, you never know if he's going to get it for the for the National League uh, Division Series. And as me, the founding member and maybe only member of the Luis Perdomo fan club. Um, this really could be very exciting. I think I'm really hoping to see him on that roster and get a chance in this series. That's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, Dodgers and four. I hope they. I hope the Padres can can get it to five and keep it interesting. I mean, Tatis right now is, I think, in some ways the like. This may sound like an overstatement, and it's probably going to sound like an absurd overstatement. But I think that like he's like breaking through the like the zeitgeist as a baseball player. Maybe like not since anyone since maybe Ken Griffey Jr. of position players. It's like 
he's like a legitimate like star like on the field and just has like a quality that 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 that, that goes beyond um just his his numbers i mean we had you know russell wilson tweeting about his um bat flips the quarterback of the seahawks while there was an, on a night when there was nfl games going on and nba finals games going on it was like that that, that has never happened before where you have like play like players stars in other sports tweeting about baseball players on a night like that so like to me that sort of speaks to what like tatis is kind of on the precipice of and if the padres can beat the dodgers i think that will kind of cement that status watching the that padres cardinals game there is definitely a part of me that was rooting for the padres not because i have you know any skin in the game here but just because it's objectively good for baseball that fernando tatis continues to play and continues to play on on national tv and gets deeper in the playoff i mean we we talk about why mike trout isn't a bigger star and you can come up with all the reasons you want but to me it's very simple his team is always bad and he's never in the playoffs how do you you can't get to those all-time great moments when you're you know only doing those things against the tigers on august 3rd right and it's it's not his fault obviously he's maybe going to be the best player who ever lived he's never in the playoffs and we are very fortunate that Fernando Tatis is going to be here. So I hope there are more big moments because I, I think it's good for him. It's good for the team. It's good for the sport. One, one other thing on this ballpark I wanted to mention, the Dodgers this year, their batters hit 19 home runs in Dodger Stadium that would not have gone out of Globe Life Field. And I'm not sure which park that says more about, except I watched a bunch of them. And the Dodgers appear to be the king of hitting 387-foot homers to the power alleys in Dodger Stadium, which I guess you could do. I'm, I'm still... And they're still a great offense, but I'm interested to see if people say, oh, the, you know, the ball's not flying here. And maybe that's already been borne out. You know, maybe we've already seen that happen. It hasn't been as stark for the Padres just based on their dimensions. But that's an aspect I think I'm interested in. So Dodgers in four for me, Dodgers in four also for you. The final one, Marlins Braves in Minute Maid Park. Yes, I'm going to watch that. I don't think the Marlins are a great team. I know that their story is great. But I also think the Cubs weren't a very good team either. Like the the glory run of the Cubs is officially RIP. That that is done. Um, I don't want to take credit away from the Marlins because you know if they keep going here, they will make a movie about this team, and then we can talk about who should be playing Don Mattingly in the movie. Because uh, after all they've gone through to get to this point, it's hard to evaluate them on the merits of the roster, I guess, because they, you know, they had the second or third lowest strikeout rate in baseball. And I thought their starting rotation would be kind of a strength, like for all the love of over Sixto Sanchez, who's been great, but strikeout rate really isn't that impressive. Like that's, that's not what he's been doing. I love what they did with the offense and that after, you know, being really, really poor the last couple of years, they got actual competent baseball hitters. And we saw that like, you know, Garrett Cooper hit a home run. Jesus Aguiar hit a home run. Um, at this point, I am not naive enough to say that they can't do anything. And I still don't really like the Braves rotation that much after Freed. But I don't know. Freeman, Acuna, Marcelo Zunia. It's it's hard to pick against that lineup for me. Yeah, I think what I'm, I'm about to like say sounds like it might sound like a, a knock on the Marlins. And it's not really intended to. I think it's just kind of goes back to what I was saying about Bregman earlier, where people are kind of like judging like it's so hard to judge this season, sixty games. You would never like put a definitive stamp on a team after sixty games in a normal season, and that's kind of what we're being forced to do this year. So people are sort of saying like, "Oh, well, like the Marlins succeeded in this sixty-game stretch, so therefore they are a success." And like I'm, I'm, I think that as you said, I, I like that they went and just like made basic upgrades at certain places. They are like they have some like athleticism that manifests itself on the base on the bases and in the outfield that like is is legitimate and they're kind of a pesky team 
in ways that like I think you know that are visible when you watch them play. Like I think they're they're I think they're a good team. I do think that I'm hesitant to sort of buy too much into the narrative just because, as I said, it's 60 games. You know, they were outscored this year by 45 runs. I know they had that one game where they lost by like 25, but even still, they were like clearly outscored and they played a lot of double headers. So, like, I don't want to read too much into run differential this year, but I still think that, like, I'm not sold. They legitimately had the worst bullpen in the National League. Only the Mariners by Fangraphs War had a worse bullpen than the Marlins did this year. So like that's, it's almost hard to believe they are where they are when you consider the bullpen that they have. And then of course, in against the Cubs, their bullpen did not allow a run. And I don't really know what to make of the Cubs at this point. You said their their run is done. I mean, all the, the, the whole core is under contract through next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs made the playoffs again next year um, because the core is still good. At the same time, Chris Bryant had a terrible season and then was 0 for 8 in the, in the wildcard round. Javi Baez had a terrible season and was one for eight in the wild card round. Uh, and Anthony Rizzo was 0 for eight. So it's kind of unclear what happened with them, but the Marlins executed. They allowed one run in two games. And I give them a ton of credit for they were being where they are. I'm still kind of skeptical, but I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna give the Braves some some trouble. But I, as you said before. The Braves lineup is so good, and the Braves bullpen is still pretty good too. And I think that's kind of going to be those two factors are going to be what what tilts things in uh, Atlanta's favor. Yeah, the other thing I'm interested to see is I don't think they have officially ruled out Starling Marte, who fractured his hand uh, or, or a finger on his hand when he got hit by a pitch. But it's difficult for me to see him playing every day. And you know, he was he was a pretty nice upgrade for them. And if it's not him. You know, some combination of Monty Harrison, Lewis Brinson, Magnera Sierra. Those guys don't excite me. I mean, Sierra can run absolutely, but that's that's a big loss for an offense that did not need the, the hurt there. And what you know, I agree with everything you said. But the Braves have the best starting pitcher. I'm going to take Freed over Sixto Sanchez right now, which I guess may be a controversial statement, but I don't think it should be. They've got the four or five best hitters. Right, like if you're putting a lineup together of these two teams, you're starting with Freeman, Acuna, uh, Ozuna, maybe Albies, right? Duvall. Like, have I named anybody you'd pick a Marlin over yet? I mean, Starling Marte, I think is when healthy, is their best player. Like, that's a really. I mean, his people don't really identify him as a Marlin because he, you know, was acquired at the trade deadline on August 31st and basically played a month, less than a month with them in the regular season. But I think he's objectively their best position player. So that's a big loss for them. I agree with you. I mean, you, you see guys get hit on the hand. It's just hard to imagine him coming in and making him. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really like Starling Marte. He's a really well-rounded player. And would, if he a healthy Starling Marte gives, I think, like raises it from like a, you know, he get, like he legitimately like moves the needle slightly in the Marlins' favor. Um, so I I think it's going to be tough to for them to overcome that for the reasons you mentioned. The Braves lineup right now is really really good i mean i mean the names you mentioned travis darno was great this year so duvall was really yeah, good. exactly so it's and going the going back to what we talked about in the l2 the, the 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 bullpen depth i mean the marlins bullpen is really just not very good and the braves bullpen i mean chris martin's very good shane green um mark melanson it's 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 a strength and uh i will take the braves in four don't forget the other aspect of this series. They're playing it in Minute Maid Park, 
the Crawford boxes out there and left. The Braves hit 22 balls at home that were not home runs this year that would have been home runs in minute page. The Marlins hit only 10 of those balls. And I think that goes back to the fact that the Braves simply have more powerful hitters who crush baseballs more often. You said Braves in four. I'm going to go Braves in three. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to pick the sweep that you should never pick. Braves in three. That, is that nuts? Is there anything other like overarching you're kind of looking forward to in the uh, division series? Well, like I said before, the fact that there are five games in a row, uh, if they go all five, obviously, I think that's I think that's cool and interesting. You know, I, I like that you kind of have to use starting pitchers, well, you know, your third or fourth guy a little more. I, I think the reason we didn't see it in the wildcard round is because it was best of three and you get to that elimination game and it's, you know, all hands on deck. I'm interested to see how uh, the players react and how weird it feels to see these teams not in their own parks like Dodgers Padres in Texas you know that's that's going to be weird Yankees and Rays out west that's going to be we haven't had a bubble all season everybody's been playing in their their home parks and this is going to be new and I feel like it's going to be jarring a little bit and I, I guess it could add something in the sense that it's like it feels different so now it's more special or it may just screw with me I haven't decided that and I guess I won't know until I start seeing pitches there yeah, the no days off thing is really makes it makes it interesting. And I, but I do I do worry that it might lead to some some ugly games because I think that more so than ever before in the postseason, you may have to see teams. And this may be more become more of a factor in the LCS, but I still think you might see in the division series where teams might kind of punt the game if it gets out of hand, sure. um, just because they're like, you know what, like we're not going to win this game. We got to save our relievers. They're going to let someone go out there and wear it. And I'll admit one thing: I'm, I'm like, as I think about this now, going back to what we're talking about with Garrett Cole. I mean, really, if he's going to pitch on full rest, he's going to pitch one and five, right? Yes. So that's, I mean, that even that, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, um, I guess, no, even that is, even that is a short, short rest, right? It's only three days rest. Yes, but I think he'll still do it. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I guess my point is that, like, it's even the, the star pitchers, it just, it goes back to the, goes back to the, 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 the value of pitching depth in a series like this, where you, you, even they aren't really going to be able to pitch twice on, on full rest, but there's no question in my mind that Gary Cole will be brought back, even if it's only to pitch, you know, two times through the lineup in game five, assuming it it gets that far. But how teams manage their bullpen and whether or not they decide to just kind of pull the plug on a game when it starts to to get out of hand, I think will be interesting. It might be something that actually could benefit certain teams if they don't have really deep bullpens and they you know, they just feel like, you know what, this we're better off just kind of playing tomorrow if they're maybe if they're up one nothing or if they're up if they're up two one. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how teams, uh, how managers decide to to play those situations. I, I did some very quick Googling while you were talking here. So if I've missed somebody, please forgive me. It appears we have had, unless one happened last year, I don't think it did. There have been two position players pitching in the postseason. In 2018, uh, Austin Romine came in while the Yankees were down 14 to 1. And in 2015, Cliff Pennington came in in game four of the ALCS. I don't recall one happening last year. I guess I could be wrong. Do you think I was at I was at I was at that Cliff Pennington game? Were you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is fantastic. That was let's see, 2015 was Toronto and who's that? Texas. Kansas City. Kansas City. Right, right. Oh, yeah. 14-2 loss in a game four. Do you think we'll see a third this based on what you just said? Even if it's not this round, like if you include the the LCS. It wouldn't be the World Series because you get two days off in that. Do you think we'll see one? Now that you mention it, yes. Now, now that I think about it, I think we're gonna see it in the playoffs. Um and it wouldn't surprise me if it happens in this series. I mean, we, we look. I mean, we already saw these teams. A lot of these teams really don't have a lot of pitching depth, especially you know with like the Padres, for example. If they don't have Lament and Clevenger, 
So it just kind of seems like that's that could be where it's it's headed. I do wonder if teams are going to have like you know almost like certain relievers that are like okay, you're you know you're pitching one, three, and five, and you're pitching two and four. Like you're not you know you're not going to come in unless it's an absolute emergency in these other games because we want to make sure that we have like fresh arms for those. I don't know if you can be that rigid, but that I think that's that's kind of one of the things that I'm really going to be watching is yeah, how teams um, manage their bullpens because there there really hasn't been a postseason like this in our lifetime. I don't even know like I can't even even know if there was a time when they played without off days. So um, it's it'll be it'll be really interesting. I'm going to put you on the spot for one last prediction. Who is the position player that will pitch? I'm going to say Jake Cronenworth because he was sort of a two-way player in the minors and the Padres potentially have very weak bull, uh, rotation and may have to run through their pitchers. If not him, maybe Mitch Moreland who pitched a little bit in, in college. Uh, I'm sorry if I stole your guys there, but who, who's, who's it going to be for you? I would actually go a different direction because I think that like if a team's doing it, it's because they're punting and they actually like, I don't, I think Cronenworth's too good for them to actually pitch him in a game. I think Moreland would be, I think Moreland would be more likely or like, you know, like someone like Charlie Culberson, you know, just like a really like the last man on the roster that like they wouldn't be like broken up if, if he got hurt, but like Cronenworth's too good to, to, to risk that in my opinion. Wait, can I change my mind? I, I'm still going to go Cronenworth, but I'm going to tell you who I want it to be. I don't know if he's going to make the roster. 2020's foremost knuckleball pitcher, Eric Kratz. <laughs> I don't know if you saw him pitching for the Yankees a couple weeks ago. Uh, Pitching Ninja had it in slow motion. That was a legitimately good knuckleball. Let's get that dude uh, last in the Bangers for 10 more years as a third catcher slash knuckleballer. That would be cool. I hope he pitches in the postseason. Okay, Matt and I have made our predictions. Hope everybody enjoys the games this week because they're going to be super fun. We will be back later on this week at the end of the division series. Get into some LCS predictions. I think that one starts next Sunday, so we'll be back before that. Thank you for listening to the MLB.com Ballpark Conventions Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.